0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of How to Scale a Business. I'm Darwin, your host for today's episode, and I am with Mary Fossello, CEO of Family Solutions International. Hey, Mary, thank you so much. And how are you? I'm great. It's a, a Monday. Uh-huh. And so, you know, I'm pretty good uh-huh. for a Monday. Oh wow, amazing! <laughs> and also, Mary. Um, yeah, I'm too curious. Um, for what you're doing, can you share some um, you know, um, some information about you and what you're doing?
1: Okay, so let me tell you a little bit about me. Mm-hmm. I am um I'm a registered nurse with a lot oh. of different degrees after my name. I've been a nurse for thirty four years, and I have worked in the fertility field since nineteen ninety nine. I've been the uh, nursing director at two large IVF clinics. I spent uh, about three years doing consulting where I always tell people I walked around the country and told other people Mm -hmm. how to do their jobs. And in 2007, I started my own business. I had twins and they were young and I really felt that I had been traveling all around the country and I needed to spend a little bit more time at home. To really, it was just a little stressful. So I started my own business. Um, my first business was called The Donor Solution, and I started that in 2007. In 2012, I started um, Three Sisters Surrogacy. And in 2020, right in time for the pandemic, I started uh, The Fertility Consultants. They all came under the umbrella of Family Sushis International. So they're one big company, but they have three
0: different divisions. Wow, amazing. So yeah, I guess I don't need to ask you for the first question, because the first question is about the history of the business. But yeah, yes. thank you so much for sharing that one here, Mary. So it's our honor, actually, to hear that. <laughs> and also, how did you get been started in your industry?
1: Well, I had been a, <laughs> excuse me, I've been a registered okay. nurse um for like, 10 years. And I had gone up the ladder pretty quickly. I'd gone from being uh, uh, in the the intensive care unit, the Uh emergency room, I became an educator, and then I went into management. And Uh I went up the ladder really pretty fast. Uh um, And I found out that my heart really wasn't in that. I I Uh really wanted to affect people personally. But unfortunately, and this sounds a little bad, um, back when I was a nurse in the late 80s and into the 90s, the money was in um, management. Mm -hmm. And for many years, I would always work a full-time job and then it would pick up shifts at other hospitals. And management afforded me the ability not to do that. So after I had children in 1998, I was like, "Oh, I got to do something. I can't, you know, I have children. I this management jobs, you know, they're 10-12 hours a yeah. day even though I was a director level, director of critical care at a large hospital. And I found out about an opportunity to be in management at a fertility clinic. And since I had been through fertility treatment to have my twins, I was like, "Oh, that sounds perfect." So, that's how I got into the fertility field and I've now been in it since 1999, so we're at 24 years. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh wow, amazing. And Evan, I, um, Ashley Mary, I'd like to share as well that um to be honest, when I was, you know, a little kid uh, or a child, um, yeah, in the past past years actually, what I plan um is to become a nurse someday. <laughs> yeah, to be yeah. honest. Exactly. Um, that is what I wish and pray for to become a nurse. But you know, um suddenly it was been changed when, you know, um I was been getting old because you know um when you do nurse there is a lot of responsibilities and also there's a lot of job and then you work as a full-time and I don't like that um I'd like to be a boss um um yeah I'll be the one who gonna manage my time and everything so yeah I just started my own business as well and yeah I think I am happy now for where I am yeah,
1: I, I I went into nursing a um uh-huh. I went to nursing back when it wasn't like it is now. I think, I think going into nursing now, there's many more opportunities to be yeah. entrepreneurial. When I went in it, I, I was a journalist first. Mm-hmm. And um, while I actually did work in journalism, it really didn't pay. And so I needed a constant paycheck. So I went to nursing school so I could have that constant paycheck. Little did I know that mm-hmm. nursing didn't pay either. I wasn't, asking to wear diamond rings and drive a Ferrari. Uh-huh. I just wanted to have enough money to pay my rent. And so exactly that's how I, and that so the, the moral of the story is I ended up getting to do kind of my own thing. And, and when I started my business in 2007, I did that so that I would have the freedom to go to yeah. my children's events so that I could go to see them play soccer and I could go to the school play. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I had stayed in working for someone else, I was not going to be able to do that. I'd have to take vacation time or always trying to do that. So that was the joy of this. I worked a lot of hours, but my children never, you know, they thought I was a miracle worker because I never missed anything when my, and having two, having twins meant that, you know, it was double trouble. It was like, oh my gosh, I got this one doing this and this one doing that. So Mm -hmm. that was a, it was a great opportunity for me to be entrepreneurial and yet still help my family and do something that was meaningful.
0: Wow, amazing. And yeah, that is the good thing. Um, Yeah, if you run your own business, actually, because you're the boss, you're the boss of everything. So yeah.
1: Yes, <laughs> you also have all the responsibility too. So yeah, exactly. a, the people think having your own business, oh, that must be wonderful. Well, yes. But the, yeah. the thing I worried about the most when I started my business was would I have the willpower to get up every morning and and work exactly. it? Because you know, when you when you have to report to your job and if you don't show up, you get fired. If you don't yeah. do your job, you get fired. But if you have your own business, it's up to you. And I astonished myself. It was a and I was like, whoa, I became like this workaholic when I first started. So hey, that is what happened to me.
0: Yeah, Evan, I to be honest, on my first um yeah I think um week or two or one to two weeks um working in yeah in the marketing um yeah um and the three to be honest I cry because yeah our CEO give me some tasks that I don't know before or I wasn't you know sure what to do so. Yeah, I cried, to be honest, because I don't know. Uh, the first, if I'm not mistaken, what I do during that time is do cold calling. So, yeah, I don't know how to do cold calling or how to pitch something on the call. Right. So, yeah, I cried, to be honest, because I didn't have any sale for almost two weeks. And I'm afraid to be fired. But, yeah, good thing. I think, Um, yeah, I think um it was amazing still. And I am still here. <laughs> good thing. So thank you so much, yes. by the way, Mary, for yeah, um, for that wonderful um answer. And also I'd like to ask this for you. Can you walk us through to your overall business strategy with your um company, which is Family Solutions International?
1: Well, um, as far as the strategy for
0: building business, which kind of strategy? Um, yeah, for building your business.
1: Well, my business has morphed over the last 16 years. We've been in business for going on 16 and a half years. So originally, my business started out, the first division, it was very much, uh, I got all of my referrals, all of my leads from... IVF clinics. So that's who I marketed to. So I started out very small in Houston only well, while Houston's the fourth largest city. Um, you know, I was, what I was selling was, was egg donors. And, you know, that's what, so I had to mass a portfolio of, of potential egg donors. And then as I grew, I moved into Dallas, Austin, and then I went nationwide, but I remember it was person to person. Like I had to have somebody at an IVF clinic. And since I had been in the field for so long, I knew a lot of people and that was fortunate for me, but I still had a great, I was not a natural salesperson. So it was very hard for me to cold call. I couldn't just show up at an IVF clinic I'd never been to. And, and so I what I realized early on was that was not a strength of mine. If I could get in front of you, then I could sell to you. But getting in front of you was my weakness. So I hired people that didn't have that, they had no fear, they could cold call, they could get me yeah. in appointments, they could do that. As the business grew and as the world changed and the internet became such a huge part of, of everyone's lives, then it became that people not only came to me for our services through their IVF clinic, but they also found me on the internet. So at that point in time, then having an extremely robust, very entertaining, and also very educational website became the goal. So we were constantly tweaking the website. And I would say now, as much as we keep relationships very um, good with our clinics, the staff changes so much like it didn't do in the past. So -hmm. the staff at these clinics changes constantly. So it's not like you have your champion at one clinic who always sends you referrals. So that's kind of the difference. I'd say 25% of our referrals come from IVF clinics that we've done traditionally, you know, like maybe there's 40 Mm. or 50 that refer to us all the time. The rest comes from the internet.
0: Mm, Amazing. And also, yeah. um, for a lot of years, how many people do you have on your team now?
1: Um. Well, when I first started, it was me and me and me. That was it. Okay. And oh. then I hired. I yeah. I was me, me, me. And then, um, and I would outsource. So like, I outsourced doing my bookkeeping. I outsourced, um, my website design and maintenance. Um, i got. I brought in a part-time assistant to help me just with the paperwork uh-huh. because. Back then, I mean, this sounds weird to a lot of people, but 2007, the internet wasn't as robust as it is now. There wasn't all this interactive stuff. So like right now, if you're looking to expand your family or you need a donor, an egg donor, then at the time you would see a, basically a PDF of of, um, lists of like donor 101 and she's 23 and she's blonde and she's blue eyed and she's five foot seven Mm -hmm. and she has a bachelor's degree in elementary education. And then you would email us and say, we want information on donor 101. And then I would physically like either a, mail you the the profile, this 20 page profile of this young lady, or as as PDFs came along, I know this sounds really weird, but we didn't have PDFs back in the day, a PDF, I would email that to you. As time went on, I'd say for the last 10 years, we've had a database where you register and there's a database and it's all on the internet. So that was a huge shift for us mm-hmm. to go from that one-on-one thing. Now we get you know five six ten people a day are registering to look at you know different aspects of our business and and so it's become very internet intense
0: wow amazing so yeah um there is yeah an amazing story actually so thank you so much for that one um, mary and also um how have you adopted the changes in your industry over the years
1: well, I'd say the biggest issue has been that the IVF claims, now, the fertility industry has truly only been around since 1977, 78. It really took off, I'd say in the early 1990s, because originally from like, say 78, when the very first baby was born through in vitro fertilization in England, it wasn't until the early 80s that the first baby in the United States was born. And. And then it kind of morphed around the world. So by 1990, IVF was no longer experimental and kept only at university settings, it now was becoming private practices. So these doctors would train at a university setting, and then they would Mm -hmm. leave and start up their own business. So you would have Dr. A, Dr. B, Dr. C, Uh Dr. D, and they each had their own practice, their own lab, their own operating room, their own teams. And so you had a relationship with them. But I would say in the last five years, What's really changed is they've all consolidated. and private equity has come in and put together, rolled up a lot of clinics. So a, B, and C are now all one clinic and and poor Dr. D is over here, and they're on their own. So a, B, and C have all this cash flow to kind of influence the market. So they've raised prices. um, they've they've made it. They've made it something that's a little harder to get to, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. so I'm not a huge fan of what's happened in the fertility marketplace. It, I don't believe, having been in it for 25 years, that it does create greater access for patients. I think it's it, it's it's made more money for certain people, but it hasn't created better access. Oh, yeah. if that's a good enough answer, but it makes me sad. that That's what happened.
0: Exactly.
1: So, um, it's become very, very corporate. And I think that the poor patients really feel like they're just another number. They don't have that one-on-one mm-hmm. Um, relationship with their doctor as they're going through this, yeah. what can be a very traumatic event. Having a child and re- and reproduction are a life goal for many, many, many people. Yeah. And having it commoditized and be like, well, unless you can afford $25,000, you're not going to get through the gate to the gatekeeper.
0: So that's kind of how I feel about exactly. it. Exactly. And I totally agree for that one, Mary. And yeah, um, it's just so sad. But yeah, um, this is, you know, how the word works. And yeah, um, it's just so sad, but you know, um, that's the reality. But yeah, thank you so much um again, Mary, for that one. And also, um, I'd like to ask um about challenges and obstacles. So can you talk about any challenges or obstacles that you've been faced in your business and how did you overcome them?
1: Well, I will tell you the biggest challenge, and I always say this to people mm-hmm. that are looking to start businesses. I went into it. Now it's a different era. When you've been around for 16 almost 17 years, you know you have it's, it's things have changed. But I felt that I needed a bigger presence and a bigger footprint. And now we have a lot more amenities, i.e. small businesses can go to a co-working space. They can do a, just an executive office suite. Back when I started, they didn't really have that. I ended up having to, I went in with a physician at first, then I moved to my own office, but I had all this office space when that I was paying huge rent on. And as time went by and I, less people wanted to come see me in person I needed less and less and less space. So now my overhead for office, phone, all that kind of stuff is less than it was 16 years ago, which is kind of a a weird phenomenon. And so when I talk about starting businesses, I'm like look, now there's so much resources. You can you can go have an office and you can have an address and you can actually have a place to meet clients if you need to, that is not your basement or your little study or your bedroom. And that is what I wished I'd been able to do because I think I wasted a lot of money paying for overhead that could have gone to more advertising or getting more patients or more visiting clinics. So that's just my advice. Start small, take advantage of the co-working situations, the executive suites. Um, as you build your business. Cause when you go to an office every day, you feel empowered. You're like, I have a business. I'm going to my office now. I just want to stay at home because I have a business, yeah. right? But <laughs> I don't need to go to the office to feel empowered. My people do, but mm-hmm. I don't have to go all the time. So that's exactly. kind of my advice about that.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Um, Evan, I, <laughs> that's what I'm do. So what, yeah, what's good for this kind of, you know, um, work is that you could just you know um sit here in your house and then yeah you could just work it here as well at the same time so yeah um there's no pressure um if you want to go there or in your office or do you want to stay at home so yeah Um, that is, well, we go to
1: work on Wednesday. So everybody that is, Uh, and I have people that work in other places. uh Okay. So I have people that work in, I have somebody that works, um, in Mexico that, Uh um, and so she works from home in Mexico. I have somebody that works in another state Uh and she works from home, but the people that work in Houston, they come to the office on Uh, Wednesday so we all are together on Wednesdays, and we have a weekly Zoom call on mm-hmm. Mondays for everybody. Um, and then on Wednesdays we're all together. Uh, the people in Houston. I would like, um, I, I, you know, my rent is so small because of the pandemic and the fact that the office space mm-hmm. is so cheap. It's a good time for people that are kind of going. Do I really want to do this? So I'm in a, a co-working space, but we have a large office, but we have the amenities of a. A regular office. So people come in, and there's a receptionist, and we have conference rooms, and we have a kitchen, and so, and we get to know other people. And so we have all the amenities. And I'm not paying the overhead I would if I was a solo person in an office building and that kind of thing. So I'm a big believer in that. Go to co-working spaces. Even if you're just renting a desk for, um, you know, a month to month, you have a business address and you have somebody that gives you a sense of purpose. I'm going here. I'm going to my office. I, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a grown up. I have a business
0: yeah amazing but that is amazing to be honest Mary because you know what I like um yeah on the office is that we have our own kitchen as well because you know um to be honest um part of the office that I like is the kitchen because I love you know um um, sitting there um you know um, reheating something and then drinking right. yeah talking with my co-worker so yeah um when I work um, in a BPO company, to be honest, I am working with a BPO company before. Uh, what I like in the office is the kitchen part, because there is a lot of people sitting there. And then, yeah, I enjoy in chit-chat, chit-chat with them. So yeah. So thank you so yeah, much. Yeah. So it's,
1: I get, I, I love And then the, the what I tell the place where we uh-huh. have our um office is, what I like the best is, that there's no office politics because all the people we meet, it's so we get the benefit of working in like a large office because there's maybe 25 different companies in this huge co-working space on the 12th floor of this downtown office building. But we we don't have any office politics with them. You know, it's not like, oh, so and so said this. No, they're just our buddies that we eat lunch with and we have happy hour twice mm-hmm. a week. And so it's it's like it's really cool.
0: You get the best have- of both worlds. All right, so amazing. And also, Mary, um, I'd like to ask this for you because this is too important. Because some of the listener there, I'm um, waiting for this question. <laughs> so yeah, okay, ask- yeah, as the CEO for yeah for your business, can you speak to any matrix or KPI you use to measure the success of your business? Money.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to me, my success is rated on money. And one of the things I want to yeah. explain is, um, okay. So the fertility, like I said, the fertility field has gotten to the point where it's very expensive. I, as a nurse have felt like, uh, uh-huh you know, I really wanted to provide a good service to people. Um, My heart is in making sure that people get the care they need. So for many, many, many years, my pricing compared to my peers was in the bottom third of pricing. And we always had a lot, a lot of clients, but it was very hard for me to A, pay myself what I thought I deserved and B, to to do the advertising I needed, to do the marketing I needed, um, make sure that I always, you know, my people came first. I probably needed an administrative assistant way before I ever hired one, but I would, you know, and I would work 60 hours a week. So after the pandemic, when everyone started raising their rates and the people came out in droves, I think the pandemic drove a lot of people to say, I really, what matters in the end is I want a family. So our business boomed. I raised my rates. I raised my rates to the point Uh where I'm now in the, and probably the middle to the top third of pricing didn't change anything. We still probably have the same amount of clients, maybe a 10% increase but our revenue went way up. And so what happened is I'm able to now advertise more. We're still reasonably priced. We offer a great product, but I think I kept my pricing way too low and I I see it. We're able to really offer better services, better everything because mm-hmm. you know it's it's like we went from being like the dollar store, which I don't know if you guys have that, but mm-hmm. the dollar store to being like more like Neiman Marcus. So we offer a better we better offer a better product. And that's one thing I wish I had done years earlier has raised my pricing a little bit in order to offer better yeah. services to my clients.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Our money is too important in the business because you know that is yeah um the sources of everything to be honest. So without money and then or nothing as well, yeah, as a business owner. But yeah, thank you so much, Mary. And also, this, um, we're already been in the last question already. And this is too important because we would like to uh, um add this to the podcast title. So yeah, for the last question, if anybody wants to connect or anyone there thinking about working with you, Mary, or partnering with you, maybe, um, where's the best place they can go? Or what is the best way to do that?
1: they can email me they can call us they can go to our website and there's a contact us and i get all the contact us
0: emails all right so yeah take note of that one guys and yeah uh, i'm gonna make sure that that will be added on the podcast title and thank you so much and yeah another pure blue could gold we have acquired today from a guest and so it's really our pleasure for having you here mary so before this interview will be end, do you want to thank someone there or do you want to say something?
1: No, thank you so much for letting me talk about it. I love to talk to people that are thinking about starting businesses. It's extremely scary, but yeah. I also think in the end, it does give you
0: the freedom to pursue the life mm-hmm. that you want to live. Wow. Amazing. And yeah, um, I totally agree for that one. And that's the reason why as well, why, I do podcasting, even though that I'm an introvert person, I love to do this because I could get something as well to my co I'm, um, you know, business owner there. So yeah. Thank you so much. You've been part of this yes. Mary and yeah, <laughs> well, guys. thank you. Yeah. And guys, thank you so much as well for sticking here with us. If you got any value for today's episode, we would love to get a rating or review where you get the podcast if there's someone in the of growing their business or thinking about starting a business, send this episode to them and then take one thing that you learned today. Go out, implement it, execute, and let us know how it goes. We want to hear your wins and above all things for being here with us today. We really appreciate you a lot and see you in the next one. Cheers!